I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules. It has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical, like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose, and I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. You want a pink thing on here? I do. Where's our cups? We don't have anything to advertise. Whatever. Where are the cups? Hey, this is your job. I, I don't know where they're at. Sorry, because I, <laughs> I didn't have coffee. I don't even think about it. All right. You ready? I was born ready. And go. Welcome back to Sigmund Sense. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to have a fun conversation today about uh, conversations that you should have about money before you get married. This is so, so if fun. You have, yeah, if, so if you have a kid that might be getting married, if you're if you're not married yet, pay attention. Share. If you're about to, if you are engaged if and about engaged, to get married, you definitely want to pay close attention to this conversation. If you have kids that are engaged to be married, <laughs> you're going to want to share this episode. That's right. Because as I've pointed out before, I got married when I was 23. The, only, everything. the only thing that no, the only thing that mattered was. I'm in love with you and that's it. Like nothing else matters, which at the end of the day is the answer, right? Love conquers all, right? Um, (laughs) At least 50% of the time. (laughs) So um, that's as a young person, you're not thinking about kids. You're not thinking about college. You're not thinking about retirement. You're thinking about ass about ass. And you're thinking about um, (laughs) you're thinking about um, how beautiful the wedding is going to be. And what's my ring going to look like? Not me, not me. No? What do boys think? think? Only ass. Yeah. Just ass. I'm going to lock this down for the next 50 years. <laughs> Are you thinking about, can I enjoy this ass for the next 50 years? Is that, does that come into play? Ish, ish, You're ish. not joking. God bless you, Christy. You're not joking um, at all. No, I think that the love thing obviously is massive parts of it, right? But I don't think, and I also think a lot of people get married because it's the next logical step. I think that does happen a lot. That happens a lot more than people care to admit. They don't think it through other than we've been together for a couple of years. We're going to shit or get off the pot. It's the next step, right? Um, And I think the the biggest thing is that we just really get along. And there's I a lot of peer pressure. I, you start showing up to lots of your true. friends' weddings and all your friends' friends' weddings. And how many times you heard a that friend say, "I'm true. always the bridesmaid, never the bride." That's true. That's so true. Um, and it's I remember weird. my mom always saying, "Wait until you're 30. You should wait until yeah. you're 30." And I never understood that. I'm very happy happily married and me and Randy are doing better than we ever have. Um, however, I do look at my friends that are in their thirties and have not gotten married or maybe you're remarrying. What an opportunity to, you don't, because you can make your punch list of your non-negotiables, right? And yeah. you're really in tune with who you are. Write that down. I want to talk about you're settled in as you're settled in with who you are as a yeah. person for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that the brain doesn't fully, is not fully developed till you're 24? Well, men are like 35. 
Seriously? Yeah, we're, that's why we're children <laughs> oh until much later than you guys. Oh, heavens. I thought we were on the same brain growth no. path. No. Oh, man. So, the, the only goal of the male species <laughs> is to procreate the species. That is all yes. we think about yes. until we can't, which is when we're dead. We just had that conversation with our daughter. We were like, look, <laughs> look you need to understand. Um, so, Jesus, you're having this. That's not fun. Okay. The conversations that have, have been know, happening inside know, the Rouse house know, these days know, know. are things that, <laughs> <laughs> however, I mean, I should write a parenting manual because I feel like we have covered so many things. Um, anyways, point is, you know, there's, it's really hard to imagine the bigger things in life mm -hmm. at 23 yep. with a beautiful ring on your finger and the man of your dreams down on one knee and you know, all of those things. Right. Yeah. So what should you be talking about? And mm. should it be between the two of y'all? Is should there be a third party, like a mediator? Right. Um, probably easier with the mediator. Probably easier. Yeah. Uh, awkward sometimes, but easier. So I actually have a little bit of experience with this. So, uh, um, I got the, I was fortunate enough to be asked to officiate about how, or about almost a dozen weddings. I think the, it was reverend, 10. the reverend, the reverend, I'll never remember. I'll never the forget. Rev. Call me the rev. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> we always at a wedding that you had officiated and someone came up to me and said, do you know where we can hear him preach on Sundays? <laughs> preach to me, babe. Preach. <laughs> I'm like the reverend. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I, I've been he I've been very very fortunate. I've had a few people that asked me to to officiate the weddings, and so um, what we were actually talking about a little bit in part today is what I got to talk to all of them about. Because I one thing I, I take it very seriously, right? It's not just a show up and read out of a book. And I mean, there it out. is a lot of responsibility that comes. There with is, that. and uh, and my batting average is still pretty darn good. I think yeah. I'm at ninety percent are still married, and so that's better than most. That's um, great. Yeah, and. I'm not officiating any weddings anymore, for the record, because uh, it takes a lot of weekends. You have to see the um, rev in his <laughs> right in his in his house. Wait till my kids are out of my household, uh, <laughs> and then we'll get back to it. But uh, what I did require of everyone that I officiated the weddings with was that we had to do um, eight weeks of we'll call it marriage counseling. Even though I'm not a marriage counselor, I'm not qualified from that perspective. I just wanted to have some conversations because mm -hmm. I do feel like being married 16 years, I have at least uh, uh, some real world experience. Yeah. Um, some of the good, some of the bad. And I think we can, it's easier to learn by other people's landmines, not, uh, try and figure out on your own. Right. Mm -hmm. So we'll definitely talk about that today. Um, uh, but before we do, I think there were a couple of questions since the last episode that you wanted to, to touch base on. Make yes. sure we, 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 uh, so get those we had, out. um, we had someone, um, Email, email in, yeah, the sigmundsense at gmail.com. Don't yep. forget to send us questions. And the one I'm picking today is about cash. And I find mm. this interesting because cash will go. it's not, this is not the only person that I have um, heard this question from, or at least been a part of a conversation about. Kay. And it's about the idea of is cash going to be irrelevant at some point? So we all <laughs> know that during this um, coronavirus and COVID-19 and all of that, we're in a coin shortage. I'm not really sure why, but we're in a coin shortage. So I'd love Kay. to hear that. So that has come up. And then, you know, is cash going to be irrelevant? And should we pull it out of banks stash it under our mattress or keep it at home right. or is that stupid because then at some point when we go to try to use it it won't be worth anything got it okay good questions uh i mean if the end of the world comes cash would be irrelevant 
until then, I don't think it'll be irrelevant, right? So there's plenty of YouTube videos you can watch about why to do Bitcoin or why to buy gold or you know, alternatives, um, bartering systems for sure have been around. Actually, for someone, um, yes, uh, uh, one of the pieces of advice was to, in the event that that does happen, to buy silver, I think is what was well, said. Well, silver is an example, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, here's here's where this is coming from, right? So, uh, we are printing up trillions of dollars of fake money. By definition, there's nothing to back it. Uh, we're in a budget deficit, so we're devaluing the U.S. dollar. Uh, all that means is that you can buy less with, with the same amount of money. That's all it means. So it, it means it costs more to buy a good or a service, right? So uh, there's lots of examples in world history of, uh, you know. But uh, isn't that inflation? Well, yeah. So when you devalue the dollar, there's absolutely going to be inflation sooner rather than later. Uh, and, and how well the Fed combats that um, with fiscal policy will will determine like how much inflation there really is. Uh, and there's been some countries that have had out of uh, control inflation. You know, certainly great examples are wartime or post-wartime uh, countries. You know, Germany is a great example. You know, uh, all of a sudden, you know, the Deutschmark for a moment was worth not very much when after World War II, when it was more important to, to have a, a loaf of bread or a, or a carton of cigarettes. And those were tradable, tangible goods, right? Uh, when... Uh, you know, all over the South Americans and the Central Americas, we've seen this in Argentina. We've seen, you know, Argentina went from uh, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, uh, top 10, I believe at one time, to, you know, ma you know massive corruption and, and devaluation of the dollar and inflation. Uh, we've seen it in uh, Mexico with when pesos went to, you know, 100 pesos to buy what, what one peso could do just a few six months ago. Not recent history. This is 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, but the whole point is that uh, was there still currency? There was still currency. still currency. So to say it's irrelevant is not correct, right? Um, and so or not and not something that needs to be right. To, to get, you don't get rid of it. Um, now, what I do think is important is that you have. Uh, I do think playing a little bit of defense because the the concept of too big to fail is something that's real. Um, you know, people think that it'll never, you know, the U.S. dollar will never go away. And and if you think that and everyone else thinks that the group think, then if it did, you'd be screwed. Right. Um, so do you hedge a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I've got a little bit of gold. I got a little bit of silver. Um, I've got a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Right. So but you're that's still not saying keep cash in your house. No. Um, do I think these should have? Yeah, for, for sure. Because if the house burns down or you get robbed, that cash is gone. Cash is gone. Right. So. Uh, and on top of that, the real answer is that um, there is inflation. So whether it's two percent or six percent or ten percent, if you keep your all your cash at the at the house, the house every yeah. day that goes by, that cash is literally worth less, and you can right. buy less with it, right? So it, you want to at least invest somewhere to keep up with inflation, just so it's worth what you have it worth. You know what what you have day one. Um, but do I think that you should have uh, for prudence? cash on hand at least a little bit yeah for emergency situations yeah. you know uh if uh the uh electricity in your town goes down for a week or two because of a hurricane you definitely want to have something to, that works because if the credit card's not working not if working, the internet's down all that money, yeah. you gotta have cash the atm is not working either if you don't have electricity in your town hmm. so having some cash in hand for a week or something like that is not a bad idea um, having some Bitcoin for fun. Um, do I think it's a great investment? No. People knocked out of the park a couple of years ago. We are, we had a different episode about this. 
Um, but the whole point is this, is if the question is, will cash be irrelevant? No. Okay. I don't think it'll be irrelevant. There's always going to be some type of currency to allow people to uh, buy goods and services because unfortunately, Americans are more, uh, we buy information, we buy services. We don't actually grow as much. You know, most Americans don't grow crops. Most Americans right. don't build things with their hands. They don't have tangible things to trade. Mm -hmm. The old bartering okay. system, right? Some countries, for sure, it's still possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so you need to have something to buy those things. Um, what have what have I seen people doing recently when they thought the end of the world was happening when COVID happened? Um, for sure, uh, food stores are up. You know, the average cupboard was less than three days in the United States before COVID. I would love to see the most recent statistic because I, be I, I could live in my ranch for a full year and not have a problem. <laughs> Dude, you could right? live out of your truck for a year. Possibly. Way pre-COVID. Yes. <laughs> well, I just think about this earlier, right? Um, I will not he deny that fact. I could be on an episode of <laughs> Doomsday Preppers or whatever it's Ish, called. Just a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so uh, but things that, that do well in bad times, alcohol. Um, yeah. No, don't be the one drinking it all. But people will trade for alcohol for you sure in really sell, bad times. Yeah, trade. Yeah, uh, right, right. You know, cigarettes used to be an yeah. answer. Um, for some people, it's a necessity, right? Um, I've seen a lot of people buying guns. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people buying guns and ammo. If you go to any Walmart or Academy or uh, World uh, uh, Cabela, something like that, mm -hmm. the ammo shelves are empty. Empty. It's they're empty. It's kind of crazy to so see they're this. They're stocking. They're stockpiling. Stock people probably. are stockpiling guns and ammo and food and, uh, and alcohol well, and, and things like that. <laughs> Randy went to buy a BB gun. No, a twenty-two. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, for Walker's birthday uh -huh. that was in May, and I don't know if this has anything to do with COVID or not, but. It was like a five-day turnaround time yep. for all the background checks and everything like that. Really? That's Took funny. forever. Yeah. That's so funny. is that a COVID-related thing? No, that's going to be a local state law um, for a cool-off period. Make sure that you're not a criminal. If you do a criminal, they do background checks. You shouldn't take five days, though, in Texas. It, yeah, but they... That's crazy. Yeah, it, was, it took way longer than... That's interesting. Well, but maybe, maybe they're backed up because maybe. so many people are. That might be the case, yeah. Because usually they just send it in. They you fill out form on computer and they send it in the federal database and they send back yes or no. Uh, if you've got a, if you're a concealed carrier like I am, um, you can go buy it on the spot. Like I oh go, really? Yeah, you can, I can fill out paperwork and sit there for twenty minutes and leave. Gotcha. Um, because mm -hmm. we've got the federal background checks already. It's already done. Yeah. Right. Uh, but here's the the idea: um, you can't eat. Uh, dollar bills. You can't eat or drink silver or gold. Right. And if you stockpile that stuff, you're going to have to get, you know, somebody's got to be able to take it. Like if you're really talking about the worst case scenario, if we're really getting doomsday-ish, which mm -hmm. I don't believe in, but whatever, then, you know, uh, uh, how many people on the streets know what an ounce of silver is worth today or an ounce of gold is worth today? Very, 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 very few. few. Yeah. So when you go to try and get something for that, you might not even know what your ounce of silver is worth. And so you got to Google it. Right. Which <laughs> might not work if we're talking about freaking doomsday. Right. Uh, and so, you know, to me, it's as simple as make sure you've got enough water to take care of your kids. Make sure yeah. you got enough food to take care of your kids. Make sure you got enough alcohol to take care of your sanity and and uh, and protect yourself a little bit. Have, have cash on hands for sure. Have a little bit hedge. What I would say, though, that I've actually done recently, which is interesting, is um, the whole too big to fail concept of banks 
I mean, we're in a weird time right now. The economy is really shaken. You know, the, yes, the stock market's recovered, but it doesn't mean that the underlying, I mean, we, we created more debt. I don't know if, if anyone's read these articles recently, but this is the first year since World War II, since World War II, that the federal government created more debt than, than uh, not just the federal government, but the United States created more debt than they created uh, economy, right? They, did, they didn't create wow. uh, value, right? Hmm. So, you know, we're going to pay the piper. I think it's really ugly times. And so what I've personally done, for example, is, you know, I pay attention to the FDIC and, and making sure that I don't have all my money in one bank. In and one I certainly bank, don't want to exceed yeah. the FDIC limits uh, because I want to make sure my money is, uh, is insured. Um, so if you're, you know, touching on half a million or a million bucks, don't keep that in cash in one bank. If it's going to be over that, it's not insured. So I think that's foolish. But if it's an investment, that's different, correct? It is. It is different. That's different. Okay. You're banking on the company. being. So around. you're saying, you're saying don't keep half a million dollars in a savings account or more a, than that, more or than that. more than that. Yeah. In a, a bank, the FDIC in the checking limits, and savings yeah, account. Exactly right. Exactly right. So put so it with I, a financial a advisor, like put some in investment. What about yeah. money markets? Does that fall in the same thing? Uh, money markets, I believe, uh, I'm gonna have to fact check myself. I do believe that, I do not think money markets are FDIC insured. I think it's savings and checking only, but I need to fact check that one. So I don't wanna be on the record okay. that way. Um, here's the point though, is diversification matters, right? Mm -hmm. Like the ability to put your hands on this money today if you need it today, the ability to put your hand on money overnight because you transfer money overnight is good. The ability to liquidate some funds if you needed to in a pinch yeah. and don't touch your retirement ever unless you're freaking retired, right? So that's all long money conversation. But do I think currency will be irrelevant? Do I think dollar bills? No. Do I think cool. they'll be devalued and will there be inflation? Yes, for yeah. sure. We'll deal with right. inflation for years to come because for what's years. happened this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Cool. So, good question. Good question. Good Who question. Asked question? Just Ashley. Ashley. Yes. Thank, thank you for asking so the question. Thank you so much for sure. Everybody but let's keep talk the about essential money conversations before getting married. Let's so, do. I have three kids. I'm married too. 16 years. 12 years. 12. That's pretty. Well, you married young. That's right. I forgot. 12 um, years. That's a damn long And time. I would say that I. And more experience, know more now, and uh, know a lot more pitfalls today than the year before I got married, for sure. You know what I think for sure. we have become best at What's is that? the old phrase, pick your battles. That's probably I true. really think that we have gotten 16 to years a point, in, 12 years in, yeah. like we really know when to, when to go to bat for something. No when to hold them. No <laughs> when to fold them. For real. It no is such a thing. No when to walk away, no when to run. That's yep. a really, really, really big lesson to learn. Yep. <laughs> uh, and something that doesn't come easy, especially for hard-headed people like you and I. Correct. Um, but money, money, money. So let's talk about this because this is what it's all about. So when you people are getting married, uh, there's probably three or four subjects that need to be identified. Um, when I did marriage counseling, for example, what I'd make people talk about, which were always uncomfortable, is I think people need to talk about religion. Or mm -hmm. are, uh, are they aligned or not? My wife and I actually were not aligned when we got married. Uh, at the time, I was Jewish. Probably didn't believe in anything at the time. My, my wife was Catholic. Or sorry, not Catholic. She was a uh, uh, Christian. Um, my mom was Catholic. My dad was Jewish. Um, and so I didn't really believe in much of anything at the time, if I'm honest with myself. Mm -hmm. I for sure do now. I'm currently and probably will ever be Christian at this point. But, mm -hmm. um, but at the time, I had no idea that Christy cared about religion at all. Uh, I did not know she she was, did some missionary work, which is kind of in, it, kind of interesting to know after I got married. Very um, interesting. Yeah, I never talked to her about religion because we didn't ever go to church together yeah. or anything like that. So I just didn't think she cared. Um, and so wait, an and how old were y'all when y'all got married? 
so I got married in 2004. So I've been married for 16 years. So I was 25, 26 years old. Okay. 25 engaged, 26 married. Okay. Um, and Christy's two years older than you, right? One yeah, year older? Two. Two years older. Um, yeah, so she's... So 28. So she's 28, she was almost yeah. 30, so, which is good. Okay. 27, 28, because we got... Uh, she was 27 because she had Aubrey when she was 30. Okay. Um, and, and I was so, 23. Randy's six years older than me, so... So 23, 29. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the first one, was, what I'd say, is talk about religion. You know, you got to make sure you're, you're aligned, you know, depending on what religion you are. There's this concept of being, you know, yoked, like, you know, like mm-hmm. yokes. Um, but that's an important conversation for anyone because if it's important to one side, you know, that's going to come to fruition afterwards. And so I made a big mistake of the five biggest things you can not talk about. I didn't talk about any of the five before I got married. And, uh, and so I'm going to go through those five with you guys and and one happens to be money, right? So religion was the first one for us. The second one, my, my mother, uh, still works. Um, she's got a, a couple PhDs. She's just a really smart lady and she loves to work and she, you know, um, so I had a working mom coming up, uh, my, uh, my wife, Christy, uh, had a stay at home mother. And so she was totally ready and willing to stay home day one from having kids. Um, she did, she does stay home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't, I didn't, had no you clue didn't know that, that was going to, I had no clue that that was going to happen, <laughs> which does affect finances if, if you haven't thought about this. Um, and so talking about are, is, are we going to both work? Are we going to, who's going to be the primary caregiver? Uh, what are we going to do after we have kids? Do we want to have kids would be a big question. Would you want to have kids? Um, <laughs> because one of ours, by the way, was I wanted two kids. She wanted three. There was no splitting the difference, <laughs> right? I actually yeah. lost a bet on that one. So, uh, and that's, and I, it's the best bet I ever lost. <laughs> Presley is amazing, but, um, you know, how many kids comes up, uh, fourth one has, has to do with money in, in general, right? Like savings, uh, who's the saver, who's the spender, how much do you have? How much do we need to retire? Like what's important to you or not? You know, especially this day and age, there's kids that uh, are totally happy sp- uh, working a little bit to make a little bit of money to spend every dollar on experiences and travel the world, which we've talked about in a different episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super cool as long as you're both aligned, right? Like I've got yeah. a, a lady that works for me right now. Um, I'm not going to say who, but a girl that works for me, I had a great conversation with a week ago and, she, and in this new world of working remote, she is unmarried. And so she said, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a little VW bus and I'm going to go tour around all the different national parks. And I'm just going to look ahead to figure out, make sure that wherever I go to has Wi-Fi yeah. or I have a hotspot availability because I can work anywhere. I mean, and I was like, well, shit, girl, if you're going to do it, do it now. Do it now. Because, you know, when you get married, you, that that might not be his uh, idea. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, so money for sure. You know, what does it look like? What are we trying to accomplish together? Are we aligned here? Are we working to live? Or are we living to work? Like that's all big conversations. Last piece is credit. You know, uh, what do you know about credit? Shit, girl, what's your credit score? Uh, what's my credit, credit score? Do we have credit scores? Do you have any credit scores? Right. Uh, have you, uh, are you bringing a lot of debt in this marriage that I need to know about? Yeah. Uh, do you have some hard assets that I need to know about? Like, uh, what's your thoughts on joining our money? Or, you know, because I kind of think if you're married, you should have your money all joint. Um, a lot of people that I know of are, Yours, mine. Yours is yours. Mine is mine. And what does that look like? Uh, if I were to add a couple of asterisks on here, um, one of them would be, you know, is one party okay with a prenup or not? Yeah. Right? Uh, who wants prenup? We wants prenup. You know, um, <laughs> I hate to say it, but people that have assets to lose day one, especially coming into marriage that's not 
totally aligned. You know, you put, you plan for the best, but um, it doesn't always work that way. And, you know, going down to if my kids, for example, inherit, inherit stuff, they don't piss me off enough. I don't give it all to charity. Um, <laughs> if they inherit something for sure, charity I'm not working else. my entire life to give money to a future ex. Yeah. So for sure, the kids that participate in money that I earn that's going to go down, it's going to stay with my kids and my grandkids and my great grandkids through trust choices, through sure. a prenup or something like that, which we, you know, is the other spouse going to be okay with that or not? You know, those Absolutely. are conversations to have before you get married. They right? really are. They uh, really and hopefully are. not uh, the day before the wedding day either. So Preferably. Uh, what, what did I miss in my so short I had some list? That I wrote down um, was for sure credit. Um, you know, do you, what's your credit score? Do you have credit scores? Um, do you have any outstanding debt? Do you have any tickets that are unpaid? Like, oh, tell me the ticket story. <laughs> I know about this one. That's funny. So Reedy and I both went to Texas Tech. So there's a lot of travel that happens when you're in Lubbock, going back to Dallas, going back to San Antonio and all the cities in between. And, you know, sometimes you get parking or parking tickets. Sometimes you get speeding tickets going through those towns. And if you don't pay them, they turn into warrants. And so <laughs> we went on a little warrant roundup yep. <laughs> and went through and paid off all the tickets that had been collected over our four to six to eight years of <laughs> traveling back and forth from Lebanon. A couple of victory laps there. I mean, so... Um, I'm really glad we did that. I can't believe we did that. I feel like that was very mature of us to do. Like well, you literally back went in the town to town paying off literally, warrants? literally paying tickets, <laughs> paying them all. But we got it all done. Um, what kind of debt are you holding now? Um, do you have any retail store debts that really would prefer not yep. to? Throw those onto my bandwagon when we get married. Yep, those types of things are huge. Um. What are your savings habits and how do you feel about saving? Um, you know, I've, I've said this before. We did not hit a major turning point in our marriage as far as money goes until I told him I was embarrassed by the way that we handle our money. And that like hit him like a ton of bricks. That was the word wow. that changed everything. And he came back, you know, obviously like didn't not just sit well and we moved on. Like there was a little bit of an argument. And then finally, when we came back together to talk about it, he said, I really think that we fundamentally have two different relationships with money. That's interesting. Just two fundamentally different relationships with money. And so, wow, that was six years into marriage. So right. if we Maybe could, we about like that how earlier. far ahead would we have been right. if we would have just had those conversations? Yep. Um, so that's very interesting. Private school versus public school. Um, that was when I lost too. Uh -huh. Yeah. And Randy would definitely prefer that the kids go to private school. Um, so I had never had any experience with private school. So I'm like, no, like why? I don't get it. I'm changing my tune at this point now, um, even though I think our schools are absolutely fantastic. Our public schools are, um, or at least the ones that my kids go to. I really feel very, very fortunate um, because I know that in other cities like Houston, for example, I mean, really the best option is public school because of the way that it's used just a very different structure than San Antonio. Right. Um, and so having that 20 or $30,000 a year built into your budget is a huge, it's, that's a huge game changer. Yep. Um, so I feel very fortunate about that. Um, and then what are your goals? What do you want to make? Like how much, what or are you aiming do. for? Yeah. yeah. Not even like, 
what do you want to do? But like, how much do you want to make? Because I think if you have an idea of what you're shooting for, then you can kind of back into different career paths, yep. um, do what makes you happy, but also back into that is, is are my choices of career going to get me to that to that point? Or us to that point. Like if us one person wants to stay home and the other wants to be a social worker, I'm not saying it can't be done, but you better make some really good budgeting choices early if the primary breadwinner is a social worker. Yes, right? yes, and absolutely. And if the other spouse is not contributing mm -hmm. to the financial burden. Right? Yeah, for sure. Right. So that's what I wrote down. Um, I love that. That's, I think it's all good stuff. And yeah, it's a, I'm going to tell you a couple of war stories from my office. Okay. So uh, here's some other things that you would hope that your, you would hope that your future spouse would come clean on at some point earlier in the relationships. But uh, the reason I'm going to say this is there was actually an article that came out. Uh, I want to say it was out of New York. I don't remember which, uh, where I read it. But it was literally this last week where um, this this newlywed couple, um, they did their big announcement uh, that went into the newspaper, local newspaper. And the husband, the groom, was writing all this wonderful stuff about how I met her three years ago and where I met her and how I knew instantaneously this was a woman for me and all this stuff. And uh, his ex-wife responded back in the to the newspaper and on Facebook and on Twitter and everywhere else, uh, saying, "Does does that uh, home wrecker not know that she wrecked a home? Because the timeline was overlapped by a year. He was uh -oh. going through a divorce three years earlier. The he was able to get away with it for the year of overlap. Um, and this new bride had no idea, right? Well, how does that impact? Like I see this in mortgages. So there's there's a story I have from probably ten years ago now in my old office." And I think you had just started, uh, you might remember this, but I, I'd been counseling this gonna get married couple. They were right out of college um, and they came in really early. They were, they were super forward thinking as a couple. And they were talking about, hey, you know, when we graduate, they were in college when I met the first time. When we graduate, we wanna be ready to buy a house. So we wanna get pre-qualified. We wanna understand what it all looks like. We wanna know what we need to save for because we've been high school sweethearts and went through college together. We're gonna go get married, right? It's like awesome. So a year goes by. It's like one of these like American dream stories, right? The high school sweethearts, they stay yeah. together all the way through. They're going to go get married. And and I'm going through it. They, they come back a year later out of nowhere. And they're like, hey, Josh, we found a house. We graduated. We're ready to buy. And I say, cool, come in my office and sit down. And so uh, we're going through the loan application. And there's one question, like there's there's these things called declarations. The declarations are things like, are you a US <laughs> citizen? Yes or no. Are you for uh, are you for a uh, residential alien? Uh, is this your primary residence or investment property? And then you start getting to the bottom, and it says, uh, "Do you uh, pay or uh, do you pay or receive alimony or child support?" And um, she, of course, said no, no, and he said yes. And so, uh, <laughs> at that moment, I remember that the air got sucked out of the office. It was like a black hole. I can't even. And <laughs> and so I like I felt the energy, but I was like, "Well, certainly she knows, right?" And so, so he said, yes, I said, okay, cool. What is it? And he said, child support. And I said, and the follow-up question is how much and how long, right? And it was, <laughs> you know, 600 bucks a month for the next uh, 17 and a half years, is right? The baby's six months old. <laughs> the baby's six months old. They got married six months ago. Oh, ouch. Yeah, so they got married literally at the same time that the, the child <laughs> support order was put in place. Ugh. Which means that the year of engagement or two years of engagement, she had knocked this girl up. They, uh, you know, they they had the baby. She he agreed to child support for the next seventeen and a half years, 
And the time that he decided to come clean was in my freaking office. I and mean, I, to this day, I, I really guess he was probably like, right. Well, well this, maybe he thought like it'd be fraud, if which it would be, but maybe he thought, oh my god, I, I, like off guard, and and it's you know, I'm, I'm filling out a financial <laughs> loan application. Right. I can't not lie. I can't or she lie. can't kill me in public in front of this Something. nice man. <laughs> so I just remember like like she's staring a hole into his ear, like through yeah. his head. Yeah, and he's just eye contact with me, and this like his eyes are kind of wide, and I was like, okay, cool. And I just like, like, and I, I remember thinking to myself like, you know what, I should probably leave the office for just a second. I said, perfect. I've got to go get this printed up, and I'll be right back. And so I left the office and I shut the door, and. It was World War III in my office. It I was, can only it imagine. It was crazy. And this girl is a wonderful, beautiful, pristine girl. And she's, it's living hell for him in that room, for sure. And I, I walk out of the office and I, I leave the office office. Like I, I go out in the hallway that's in this big building. And across the hallway was the bank. And the bank had a security guard. And the security guard comes running across. I was like, do not go in there. Don't go in there. It will be the end of your life. And he's like, what's going on? I told him, he's like, oh, oh, I totally understand. He turned around and walks away. So about 10 minutes later, gets quiet. And, uh, and I finally walk in there and I sit down and she says, we, Josh, we need to rethink everything. So you guys ready to sign your loan (laughs) app? Right. So they left and I, to this day, never heard from them. Oh my God. You know, that's, that's something you would want to know before uh, you get married. And so, when I did the little asterisk thing, um, you know, it's amazing to me how many people uh, pull credit, right? So I'm doing a mortgage loan application again. I'm going through the credit, you know, the liabilities. So you have this car at security service for 500 bucks. You have this one at Bank of America for this amount. You've got this credit card for $17,200 minimum payment. And then one or the other will say, no, we don't. That's not right. And then the other one will be like, well, well yeah, honey, I, I have that one. Or I'll get calls before a loan application where the husband or wife will literally tell me, please don't bring up the credit card. Oh, no. Right? So that that happens every single day. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know. We, I, uh, my I, question I, is, how do you do that? Well, I, I guess if you have totally separate accounts, then. Separate accounts, credit cards going separate places. Uh, one person checking the mail, not the other. Um I mean, a lot of stuff. Uh, co-signers on family's cards. You know, that's one that crushes a lot of deals a lot is, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes it's a good thing where a parent brings a kid on. Uh, like, I'll do that for my kids mm-hmm. to improve their credit. Improve their credit, uh, yeah. Sometimes the parents yeah. are deadbeats themselves. They open yeah. a credit card in the kid's name. The kid has no idea because they've never pulled credit themselves, right? right. And so basic things I really think are important when, when you're really getting to this. And it sounds so, like, not romantic. And I get that's that. I sound thing. like a jerk. No, that's... I would recommend a damn uh, uh, credit report. I would recommend for sure that you actually do a felony background check. You can do it for 20 bucks. Really? Yeah, you can go online for 20 bucks and look up anyone's name, social, and date of birth and find out if they've got a... It's it's public records. Like, hmm. do you have a felony? Do you have bank uh, bankruptcies, uh, foreclosures? All those things are actually public records. Like, hmm. you can pull credit and find out all that stuff. So, you know, and here's the thing. Is it uncomfortable? 100%. Is, is it, it important? Well, yes, yes, but if you if you can if you can make it through these really really uncomfortable conversations, yep. one just getting through them yep. as an engaged couple, or heck, even just being you know just dating at this point, yep. holy shit, your marriage has a really bad like a whole lot better chance of being yep. of being able to survive yep. because this stuff it comes up. 
And it's and it can, and it can create, be avoided. Can break, and it can break relationships because then one person feels lied to or betrayed, right? After the fact, so and then if you have kids a, involved, it by the oh, time dude, it comes up, then now it's you're way worse. it's way worse. So you know if you can do these little tests and have these conversations yep. in a you know, we have nothing to lose, quote unquote. We're not yeah. married, no kids. We're not, you Listen, know. Listen, if you're agreeing to marry me for the rest of my life, you're probably, it's, I should be agreeing to answer any question that you have about anything and vice versa, right? That's yeah. transparency. And so, you know, what, what, what are the things we need to talk? We just listed off a dozen. Yeah. Um, but people avoid them. A, probably because they don't even think to, they don't think to ask it. B, oh, it's, for it's sure. super trusting. You don't know it's important. Oh, yeah. You, you don't know it's important. And if you don't have someone telling you that it's important, yep. then why? Why deal well, with Well, and then the other piece of it is, uh, you know, myself included, like I didn't know anything about credit back in college. Um, so, well, so, it, so it's really cute. Christy had 700 credit scores and I had low 600 credit scores. 600s are good enough. Randy didn't have any. There you he, go. He ain't got none. Yeah, no credit at all, <laughs> no right? No credit. So, if this is someone you're going to work with, like, uh, okay, for sure, you're not going to pay the bills, honey, because you've never paid your bills ever. <laughs> so let me, that's going to be my responsibility. Um, right. I mean, it's like yeah, basic conversations exactly. about money that will set you up for success. Um, but what to look for, you know, it's as simple as, uh, and this goes back to you, you asked a question earlier on, is it best to do it by yourself? I would think that you should be at a relationship level to be able to do that. Do what? Uh, to have a conversation about this by yourself, right? Oh. Um, like husband and wife. Oh, yeah. Or future husband and wife. Uh, oh, in my opinion, or should you bring in a mediator? Should you bring in a mediator <laughs> or uh, get like marriage counseling? <laughs> I think you put the professionals on it because a professional, like you can literally call your marriage counselor and say, do me a favor. Would you please bring up money? Ask about credit. Ask about this. Then if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable, like, mm-hmm. hey, how much money do you have? How much do you want to make? What do you want to make? Right. Some of the questions that you don't feel comfortable asking for whatever reason, they still need to be asked because, the, you know, in my business, and I think in all business, the there's this concept of uh, swallow the frog. There's a book about it. Yeah. Like eat the frog. Eat that frog. And the, the idea behind it is, is that it's not going to get any better. The longer that it sits there and waits, and the, it's like a landmine that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger that you're eventually step on. It'll be way worse down the road than just get it over with. Just get it over um, with. Um, I think the other piece is that you don't know, like, you're not thinking about how much money do we want to make as no. you're not thinking about that. Not at all. Um, and so use this as a resource too of like things that, Oh, I, I should be thinking yeah. about that because, because it will come up. And it, well, one of the big, the biggest assignments I would give everyone in the first or second group session that we that I would did with, uh, when I was officiating marriages was I tell them to go home and do their 10 year vision individually, mm-hmm. individually, Write down your 10 your vision in vivid detail. Like, where, where do you live? Do you have a house? Do you have two houses? What do you make? Do you have kids? How many kids do you have? And I tell them, don't say anything together. Don't write it together. Yeah. Don't pre-read it together. You're going to write it individually and come back to me. And then when they would read it, you know, it's amazing how many people that I could tell, oh, you're pretty damn aligned because you kind of said the same thing. So yeah. either you cheated on your homework assignment or you actually talked about this in the past. Yeah. Um, and then, or you're just, and that's one how, of the things that's pulling all together. And then how big of a variance there was in some things, um, you know, around religion or money or mm-hmm. politics or whatever, uh, age to retire. Um, you really want to buy a house in the next five years? Do I want to travel the world? Like I had yeah. that comment come up one time. I was like, that was one I thought about too, that I didn't write down right. is home ownership. You home know, ownership, how important yeah. it, is it to you and yeah, uh, you know, you all the way own? down at like by what age you want to retire? How much do you think we need? Like all those things can come out really quickly. And then what I, what my, we'd have them read it to each of them would read it to each other. 
And there was a lot of light bulbs going off. And I said, mm -hmm. perfect. Now I want you guys to go on a date night this before our next gathering in a week. And on your date night, go back and rewrite your 10-year vision together. That's cool. Like, just go back and talk about yeah. like, okay, so what parts of yours do you uh, agree to? And like, mm -hmm. you're on the same page. What what parts of mine do you agree to? We're on the same page. And let's put those, mash those together. And then it's going to force conversation of, well, what about this? You want one kid. I came from a family of five kids. Five kids, yeah. Like, like I need to at least have three. I want my kids to have yeah, at least brothers and sisters. Like three was sisters, my number right. all along. Like I well, just Christy knew that. apparently had that number all along too. And yeah. I, I thought I was going to have one. <laughs> and I thought I was only going to have a boy. And then I had two. I had a girl and a boy. And then she's like, yeah, I want a third one. And I was like, not a chance in hell. She's up, like, bucko. I bet you. And um, it's actually a funny story. I'll tell this one. So I was in a, my 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 awesome wife, Christy, uh, every once in a while comes hunting with me. And at the time she definitely didn't like to hunt. And I've always liked to hunt. And, uh, and once a year, twice a year, she would, uh, especially early in a relationship, she'd come sit in a deer blind with me for a day. Um, and this was like, uh, it was right around Thanksgiving in 2011. So Thanksgiving, 2011, I was in a deer blind and we just started talking about, she told me her, like, what crushed me inside was she said, uh, she said, I feel like, uh, uh, that, I, that I'm unfulfilled. There's one child I haven't had yet. Like I feel this. I'm like, mm. I'm really sorry you feel that way because I feel really full. And <laughs> That's so, really unfortunate and for we're, you. <laughs> and we're stuck, yeah, we're stuck in this box, right? We're in a deer blind in Texas in the cold and we're stuck in this box and there's not a deer to be seen. And so we're going to talk to each other but for three, guns. four hours, right? With some guns, right? And um, and so, but she kept pushing and pushing. She's like, no, I really want to have a third kid. I'm ready. And I'm like, I, I'm, that's really sad for you. Like I'm for sure done. Like two is good for me. We have our girl, we have our boy. That's all I can handle. And she's, so she made me agree to, uh, the best bet that I ever lost. And she said, um, we at least give it a chance. And I said, tell you what, cause I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's no, it's Thanksgiving. I said, if you know, if, if you want to pull the plug on the, on the whole, uh, birth control thing, if we are pregnant by new year's, then it was oh, meant to be. Oh, damn. By New Year's, it was meant Thanksgiving to be. Thanksgiving to New Year's. God wants us to have a third kid. Okay, I can't argue with that. But I need you to be okay with, if we're not pregnant by New Year's, like that chapter is closed. And I'm thinking to myself like 30 days, I'm just going to hold out, like no Ooh, problem well, at all. Whatever. <laughs> uh, August, Remember the way we started right, this conversation. Right. August, uh, <laughs> August 12, 12 was uh, when, when my beautiful little oh baby. Oh my God, it didn't take long at all. Yeah. Eight, uh, <laughs> Yeah, eight, twelve, That's twelve. So, well, hilarious. It didn't take long at all because it was like the next week. <laughs> Christy would like attack. She was like a tigress. She'd be like hiding when I come home. She'd like attack. I'm like, damn, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. And I was like, I still thought there's no way in the first month. Like, there's no oh way. Oh yeah, my she, god, she got it's me. amazing. And I get to, but I love that little girl. I love Presley. that little girl. Love that little girl. So Best thing cute. ever. Uh, but again, it would have been good to have that conversation before we were married. No, for because sure. Uh, going down that list, it's really funny. Uh, whether I conceded, I lost, or my wife is just smarter than me. Either of the three, doesn't matter. Um, I would, didn't believe in God. She believed uh, in Jesus. Now we both do. Uh, she wanted public school. I wanted private school. Our kids are in public school. school. She wanted three kids. I wanted two kids. <laughs> we have three kids. She wanted to be a stay-at-home wife. I wanted to be her to be a working wife. She definitely stays at home. Um, what did I miss? There's a fifth one. Private school. What was uh, that? Oh, uh, living in Texas. Oh, yeah? I wanted to not live in Texas. <laughs> I wanted to travel the world because I've lived in a lot of states growing up and a lot of countries growing up. And nope. she's like, I will live and die in Texas. That's right, not going anywhere. And I am here 20 years later. So I love uh, it. I so love it, it. it happened to work out for us. Christy the closer. Christy the closer. Yeah. Um, it happened to work out for us. But my point is in any of those five places, 
separate of money, mm-hmm. separate of credit, separate of not being married before, separate of not having kids before with, with child support that we didn't know about, yeah. separate of not having a thousand tickets and warrants out for arrest, separate of not having a felony conviction that'd be great for you to know about. Yeah. Um, like any one of those things we could have crossed, we could have gotten in a dogfight. Absolutely. It could have been a point of contention big enough to cost the marriage. Well, and here's what happens. This goes back to pick your battles. Marriage is full of small annoyances. Okay. So the way that they breathe becomes an issue like at times, but the way they leave their socks on the floor, the way that they leave the sponge in the sink rather than putting it on the top. Okay. So when you're around somebody for that amount of time, cohabitating, the the anxiety levels and those yep. little things start to grate on you. Yep. Okay. So absolutely you throw on, oh my gosh, you have a freaking $10,000 bill that, yep. you know, now that's preventing us from doing something that we wanted to do together, like buy a house. Yeah. It gets, it goes down real fast. It can be the straw that broke the camel's yep. back. Right. And so I think this is where it goes to the non-negotiables. 100%. This, this is the key. Cause what you said is spot on. Like, I'd like to believe that there's that my wife loves and adores every piece of my, my body and soul. She right? does not. She for sure doesn't. She does she, not. Why are you saying that with such <laughs> conviction? Do you know? Because I'm around I you a lot too, Josh. <laughs> I feel attacked. I feel attacked. Um, but I know that to be true, right? I know I'm, I'm hard. I'm hard to live with, let alone work with. And so, uh, but but here's what what uh, one of my homework assignments is uh, at my company, uh, within our team, with our core values, with, uh, with with marriage in general, is what are the non-negotiables? Yes. And again, that's something that we talk. We like in all those marriage counseling that I did, we talk about what are your non-negotiables both ways um, before the marriage. So, what is a non-negotiable, right? So, there's lots of annoyances that I Small. would rather something be different. Right. But I'm not going to leave you over. Not going to leave. Right. But there are a few things that are absolute issues for me and for everyone. They're deal breakers. It's a deal breaker. So what's that non-negotiable? Right. So uh, for some people, it might be lying. For some people, it might be cheating. For some people, it might be hiding money. Mm -hmm. For some people, I mean, there's a lot of laundry list. Um, uh, For some people. Work ethic. I'm just trying to think about it. Yeah. Work ethic is one. Uh. Uh, being helpful with children or not like not participating with children or disciplinary uh, styles yeah. with, with children. I Pornography. Mean, I think- There's all sorts of stuff that came into those conversations. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of them all um, that were really clear. And it's, it, it's funny when you really just have that honest conversation, like broken okay. family relationships. Right. Like if you're having a strange, right. Like know, don't make but- me choose between my entire family and you. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, or brother. Like, hey, I know my brother's a little, or my sister, I'm not specifically talking about my brother. Right. No, just, but I know my brother's a little bit hard to deal with, but he's my damn brother. He's my brother. And that's not going to change ever. So I need you to be okay right. with like, once a year, he's going to act out at a Christmas party and I will talk to him and you'll be upset, but he's my brother. Like, right. Like, he's my blood. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I choose you. I also sure. choose, I yeah, didn't get absolutely. to choose him. I choose him, right? Mm-hmm. So being really clear about those things, you can see the light bulb is going off of, Okay, I know what lines not to cross, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Like, um, you know, we all know in, in a lot of marriages, uh, there's this concept of love and respect that comes up. Mm-hmm. Like for most women, it's all about I, if I don't feel loved, I'm not going to respect you. If I don't feel respect as a man, I'm not going to love you. Uh, and we we are really bad about, especially with our partners, knowing exactly what exactly cut to make. Yeah. The smallest cut that bleeds the most. And the other thing right? that happens is which comes first. Right. That's the like, right. that's the hard piece oh, is yeah. like, I, you know, Randy and I have gone round and round about this. Like, 
when he, I, if he's being inconsistent in a behavior, it drives me crazy, right. which makes me inconsistent. So in my inconsistency drives him crazy. Yep. So which inconsistent, which one was inconsistent first? Right. Because we're fueling yep. each other. And around and around we go. Round and round. And that's the thing is, is that uh, those things end up with somebody stepping on a landmine that they, they, they didn't even know is non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. But for example, for me, I'll just give you one of mine. I'm not going to go into my, my laundry with my wife because that's our personal business. But for me, as an example, um, like, do not threaten me with divorce. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. if you say There's, it. Yeah. You better mean it. Don't drop the D because, word. Because right, mean it. like the D word is the worst word mm-hmm. in my uh, household. Like, don't even consider breathing it. Right. Because unless you're willing to go, I am the, papers. That, the kind of person of okay. Yeah. Call the like. Don't ask. Don't don't try to call off a bluff. Don't try to bluff me. Like right. you better mean it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is you know like a lot of marriages. I'd like to believe that every single day is uh, roses, right? But there's been times that we've gotten to battle. Um, but that's one line that Christy won't cross. Because, right, which is good. I mean, right, because she's very clear that is a non-negotiable right. for me. That's a non-negotiable. So that kind of conversation, just what are the two or three like, mm-hmm. hey, no, it really would bother you, but I'm probably not going to stop that thing. Like, I know that you don't like me gambling with my buddies and having a poker night. I know, but like, you're going to divorce me if I keep having my poker right. night every Wednesday, as an example, right? Yeah. So, Okay, no, you're not going to divorce me of that. That doesn't mean I'm going to push the buttons. It's good for me to know that annoys you, call, know. right? Yeah, but absolutely. But let's, let's not do the non-negotiables. Like yeah. that's a problem. One cheating thing I, is a big one for some people, right? Cheating is a big one. Yeah. One thing I wrote down was um, financial advisors mm-hmm. are a great way yes. to uncover all these questions, specifically around money. Because as an example, when we went and sat down with Ron he asked these questions yep. and there were some things that we kind of just sit and look at each other like, Oh, I don't know. We haven't even thought about that. A lot of them, thankfully we, and, and a lot of this guys is just by chance that we, Randy and I have a lot of alignment in the way that we wanted to structure our lives. Thank God, yep. because we didn't talk about it. Right. It just so happens that we feel the same way about a lot of things, but you know, he asked us like, how do you feel about college? Do you feel like this student should pay for it and get loans? Do you want to pay half? Do you want to pay it all? Like, okay, that's a good question, right? right. So luckily we both had the same answer. We're going to pay for it all. We're going to save for it and pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what time, when do you want to retire? And do you know and how, much? how much? Yeah. yeah, with how much? And what do you want your lifestyle to look like? Do you want to travel? All of these things. So if the thought of going to a marriage counselor or a mediator is kind of like, oh my gosh, I would never do that, then kill two birds with one stone. Go to a financial advisor mm-hmm. uh, because you need to be you need to get a head start on on investing and things like that anyway and setting up your your safety nets. But also they'll it's it'll so dig off up the some radar questions. For, I'm sure there's dozens of people listening right now. They're like, I have nothing to invest, so why would I go to a financial planner right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that's not the point. It's starting the conversation. Start the you got to start the conversation before you're married, not when you realize mm-hmm. that no matter how much you earn, this other person is a whirlpool. <laughs> And it's right. like, like, are you going to be okay with that? If you like, if you're going to be the primary breadwinner, as an example, are you going to be okay working the next forty years of your life to not be able to retire because mm-hmm. every dollar's been spent along the way? Because you might be signing up for that and not yeah. know it, right? Another really good one is: Do you expect any large sums of money to be, to be coming your way right. from family members? Um, you know, if someone passes away, are you written yep. in somewhere that yep. you're? And if so. 
what is your stance on that? Am I going to be included in that? Is it going to go into family money? Is it because it's your family? It's yours. Right. Um, those are, that's an interesting. Yeah. And that goes, that goes really into that piece that I said a little asterisk about of, you know, I, I don't think it's romantic. I don't, I don't think it's romantic to talk about a prenup. I do. Neither think, is divorce. Yeah. Divorce is, <laughs> yeah. Um, and trying to, ex, <laughs> trying to explain to your papa that <laughs> half of his family ranch just went to somebody who was married to you for three years. Right. Mm, um, yeah. and it's a hundred year old ranch or whatever. Right. right. So, uh, but I do what I think my point is, though, is that um, coming into marriage and, and I'm not an attorney and every state's a little different because of uh, different laws regarding community property or separate property, things like that. But for the most part, most states, when you come into a marriage, if you keep things separate, you know, if there's a house, let's say you've got a rental property, maybe you own the house, you bought a house before you ever started a relationship mm-hmm. and you made every payment on the house and, and all that. And the money that you're making payments on the mortgage is coming from your account. There's ways to keep that asset sold and separate even after marriage. So that God forbid something happened, it's still your house. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it where, mm-hmm. you know, the, somebody's got the house and somebody that's a deadbeat moves in and yeah. gets married. And then half the house and the car goes with the deadbeat three right. years later. Um, I do think that there's a point for everyone if you... Uh, uh, what, if you're an entrepreneur and you're building a company, mm. like the, what's that company value going to be? That's a hundred percent on your back. Um, prenups, I do think are warranted and they're probably the most avoided conversation. They have to be that, the most avoided. I wonder they, how many marriages have, have prenups. Uh, I'll tell I wonder you, how many first marriages. That's, have, a, that's a great question. But have prenups. And, and it, that'd be an interesting statistic because how many second marriages do. do? <laughs> um, I, I guarantee you that the percentage is off the charts for the second marriage. I would I would think though part of that comes from uh, being younger and not feeling like you have anything that's worth that's valuable. That's worth rocking the boat, potentially rocking the boat so hard with the topic of a prenup. Yep. That is worth it. Right. So, but as you get older and you, you know, acquire more assets, second marriages, a lot more, a lot more on the line. So that yep. would be very interesting to. Yeah. To um, I don't know an easy way to do it. I, I don't think there is an easy way to do it. I think it just goes back to communication, 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 I communication. I honestly don't know what I would, how I would react. Well, I think a lot a of people prenup. would walk away from the relationship. Uh, Which is I the point anyway. Uh, What's that? Which is the point anyway. Like if that's going to be the pushing factor, right. that's why we're doing this, right? I, I think it's easy to argue both sides. I'm sure somebody will pipe up on this, uh, on the thread after listening to this. But- Because um, you're let, always let, in the let back me, of your head thinking the like, side. what if, what if, like, what, if what, what if? I don't believe in plan Bs, right? I think that right, you're that's supposed like to go- Right, the best advice. You're, right, like in the opposite of plan B, plan A looks really good and you're going to make your marriage work. And, okay. I, and I am an optimist from that perspective and like we're going to go through it. But there's non-negotiables for everyone. Mm-hmm. So if the non-negotiable is stepped on once or twice or too many times, right. that's why there's marriages that that don't work out long-term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I do know, just being a business person that has owned multiple companies in my life, I know that working out how a business relationship ends ahead of time results in maybe two dis- a business partnership that's dissolved, mm-hmm. but with two happy people. Yeah. Because there was no argument at the end. Like sure. if it going into it, if you des- if, if if something happened, this is what we do. We both agree to it. There's nothing to argue about at the end. It's already, it's done, already done, right? Yeah. Um, so I can tell you that I've seen bitter, 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 bitter divorces. Oh yeah. That oh, yeah. 
uh, that destroy the view of their partnership dissolved or otherwise from the children's view. Yeah. Because the children think that daddy didn't care, take care of mommy enough or mommy didn't take care of daddy or or I just watched them argue for three years because neither would agree to the terms and conditions of the divorce, right? That could have all been avoided if there was a prenup that says, hey, listen, what like you can have a prenup that literally says 50 cents on the dollar of every asset's divided appraisals and there'll be no alimony or child support either way. We're gonna agree to 50-50 partnership in the kids. We're gonna agree to 50-50 partnership in all the assets. We can agree that up front. There's nothing to argue, right? Yeah. Well, but then that also goes to, that'll bring up some of these questions. Like, are we both going to work? Because if we, if we're going to do 50, 50 and I'm not going to get any child support, I should probably start a career. Yeah. Details. (laughs) If I'm going to be. (laughs) Or have at least a finger in the water, toe in the water. Um, Sure. So, uh, and again, uh, you know, I'm preaching from the, the, the stands a little bit, but I've seen the back end so many times of how bad it gets. Yeah. Um, it's and, just, and it, like, it, it's, it's really awesome as a, a man or woman, uh, to watch somebody trying to pre-qualify for a house that they can't qualify for because of the amount of alimony or child support oh, that man. is more than what it would take for the house. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, you know, the people that are renting for same three, on the four, flip side, same with uh, student loans, when oh, somebody dude. can't qualify because of a student loan, dude, bad. um, that's, that also is. Oh, it just gut wrenching to me. Yeah. I know that was a huge eye opener when I first got into the mortgage business. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, which I did then had to call my parents and thank them one more time for paying for my college because yeah. how do you, I mean, anyway, That's a big thing to it's start a buying. really big. Yeah. So does your partner have student loans? I mean, yeah. cause that is not going to prohibit us from being able to get a house. And, and maybe that wouldn't stop you from getting married or not. All no, I'm saying is that it would no. give you a plan. Like, yeah, hey, we sure. need to attack this because I'd like to own a house in the next five years. So Absolutely. let's attack your debt, which means no, we're not going to go on a thousand trips between now and five years because I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house. Bring yeah. up my kids in a home that we own, right? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's the, I know we want to wrap this up, but I, I think that's the whole point about this conversation is um, is to have the conversations. Yeah. Like, like knowledge is power. And you have a better outcome mm-hmm. by knowing all the pieces that you're working with. 100%. And when you go into something blind on the faith that love will conquer love all. Love will conquer all. Which yeah. is what every person saying at the altar thinks. Love will conquer Absolutely. all. Absolutely. And you talk to every 30-year, 50-year married couple. And you say, hey, how'd you make it? And the guys will all say one thing. Learn to say yes, honey. <laughs> yes. Like that's what happy every 50-year married, right? Happy wife, happy life. Like, But how did they arrive at that point? Yeah. It's because I communicated a lot. Non-negotiables weren't 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 Absolutely. stepped on. Picking your battles, picking and, the battles, you know, and probably knowing each other. Marriage is a lovely. It's it's so great. It really yep. is. It's so it's so rewarding and it's so awesome. It's also really hard work, mm-hmm. and so I think that it deserves this amount of preparation to make it the long haul. Mm-hmm. And. So I, I can already hear people saying like, gosh, like, why would I, that's, why would I do all that? So much work to like do all of those things before we get married. Like gross, we're busy planning the wedding and picking out China and dresses and all of that. Yeah, let's just spend a hundred thousand dollars on a wedding that, and hope that it makes it for two hope years. Hope that it makes it. And it is hard work. So think of this as like applying for the hardest job that you will ever, ever, ever get. That's the best way to look at it because it's second really, hardest. I'll say parenting first. Parenting is pretty damn hard. <laughs> it's even harder with a crappy spouse. Right. That's very true. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's worth putting in the effort. And again, yeah. if you can make it through this, like really hard stuff to talk about, 
in an engagement phase or even a dating phase, man, you stand a really good chance to make it through some of the massive things that come up in marriage. Cool. Well, I think that's our conclusion for this episode of Sigmund Sense. Please like, subscribe, share, send us emails, ask questions. We'd love to help you out more, but we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys.